Welcome to episode 10 of How About Them Huskies. You made it to double digits now. I'm Connor. I'm with Andrew, Matt, and Matt. And today, probably a quick episode. We're just recapping the Butler win. It's the first time UConn wins their Big East opener since 2011. Sure, that stat may be a little skewed, but we'll go with it. UConn won 68-46, to another 20-point victory against a pretty solid opponent. And Sark, what'd you like from the game overall as a whole? Um, overall, I just kind of realized something about this team, and it was that we just kind of built to wear teams down, you know. Um, Butler kept up with them for the first 25, 30 minutes of the game, and eventually it just got to a point where UConn's just running up and down the court. You know, they're fast, and they could play fast because, first of all, they have athletic guys. Second of all, they have a lot of guys. So I just realized that um, unless another team can match our pace and match our depth, a lot of teams are going to have a tough time with this really deep and fast team because they're going to get worn down. Not to mention there's a lot of strong guys who just make people tired. They'll hurt people. So that's that's my main takeaway from the game. Yeah, you mentioned it was a close one there. I, I believe with the under eight, it was a six-point game. And then after that, we held Butler to four points total and won by 22. So it just shows the defense on this team is amazing. This was really an Adama Sunogo game. I mean, they Butler had no, no stopping him. He was just – he had 27-14, I believe. And it really just showed how good Adama is, how well he uses his big – uh, build and just dominated this team. They had no business trying to stop him. So, I mean, that's kind of really what won us this game was his 27 points, but this was this was a snow-go game. You're going to get plenty of those later this season. Yeah, and the guy guarding Adama throughout the night was no slouch. Many Bates is a big guy. You know, he's 6'11", 240. And he, it looked like snow-go was just having his absolute way with him. There was nothing he could do to stop him. Uh, he did all right offensively, but he did turn the ball over four times. So Sonogo does have very quick hands. We saw towards the end of the game, Sonogo, you know, take it from the top of the key, just drive in and just slam it down. You know, a, a lot of good things from Sonogo during this game that maybe we haven't seen so much during preseason. Uh, he pulled out a couple of mid-range jump shots, which I feel like we haven't seen very much of. It was either at the basket with a little, you know, soft touch or just a three-pointer that he seemed to have added. but I really enjoyed the mid-range off the little uh, pick and pops. He would just slide right out, and he didn't really hesitate either. He would just go right up with them. So, a lot, a lot, a lot of good from Sonogo. One thing about Adama Sonogo is when you see him sometimes in the post, there'll be like three, four guys around him. He's pivoting and he's pushing people around, and you're kind of just thinking to yourself, "Adama, kick it out." I know that's one thing we all called on him to do is pass out of doubles. He's getting like triple team down there, and He'll put it up and make it. So, you know, you want him to kick it out. But if he's doing that, I'm absolutely fine with it. And don't get me wrong. There are some times where he does need to make the pass. But against teams like Butler, he's just physically dominant. And, yeah, that's what I noticed. And also, one of the threes he hit – or he only hit one three, but that was a very important, timely three to stop a lot of momentum. He really took the game over himself. That was uh, kind of early in the first half when Butler started making a comeback. So, yeah, definitely be a Dama Sonogo game. Yeah, definitely. And Matt, you mentioned Manny Bates. He's a pretty big guy, great defender. He leads the Big East in blocks this year. He only had one block, and that's what Sonogo taking 20-plus shots, a majority of them right at the rim. 
So it just shows Sonogo, he's so good offensively, even a great defender. It doesn't phase him. He, he gets his shot off. He times it well. He's just – he's a national player of the year candidate. I mean, I think it's safe to say now with what the season he's had. I think we can say that. And also, he played 31 minutes. Klingon only played nine, and that, that's happened a couple times this year. Just when he's so dominant, Sonogo, you can't take him off the floor. Um, I believe the Oklahoma State game was similar to that too, where Sonogo played a majority of those center minutes. And Klingon still had eight rebounds in his nine minutes. So, but he's he's still producing only four points, but he didn't miss a shot. And it just shows it adds on to what I've said. And we've all said we have the deepest center group in college basketball. And a player I want to highlight real quick, a guy that's kind of struggled this year was Nahima Lean. He had a great game. He hit three threes, including a big one late, late in the first half. Um, really gave us a, a, a jolt of energy. And we really needed it. We struggled in the first half, so hitting that three going in the locker room was huge. And Andre Jackson just continues to amaze me. I mean, he had six rebounds and six assists, and he only had three points, but he, he had another three. So maybe I want to see him do a little bit more scoring. We don't need it necessarily, but if we can get like eight points out of him, I think we'll be in great shape. Yeah, and one thing about Aline is I think I saw that he had the best plus minus on the team, and it makes sense because he tends to play good defense. So when he could be efficient and he's making his shots, you know, um, he's making his shots in a timely manner, um, he could be better for us. And I think, you know, I'm not going to call it a comeback right now, but I think he's starting to break out a little bit, and I think we'll see him be better. That was a really bad slump that's uncharacteristic of him at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, good game from Aline. Yeah, another thing here. I didn't catch the whole game. I I was busy with some other things, but I see 71 field goal attempts in 40 minutes. That's crazy. 54 rebounds. So obviously you take 71 shots. They only hit 28 of them. So that's not good. But the fact that they're crashing the glass on offense just shows even on a night where we struggle to hit shots, we're still going to be aggressive, play our game, and not let it phase us. Yeah, um, yeah. You said twenty-eight shots made. That's gonna happen with you know college players and college teams. You're bound to have nights like that. These guys aren't professionals. Uh, we need to remember that. But you know they are very high quality players. So you know if there is a night like tonight or last night where you know you make twenty-eight of seventy-one, you need to know that you have a guy that you can go to to win you a game. And I feel like what this game proves is that Sonogo is that guy that you can go to if you need to win a game. If everyone seems out of it, you know, you can feel comfortable dumping it in the paint, having him shoot it from three, having him shoot a mid-range, sending him to the free throw line even. He shot 0 of 1, but we've seen that he can consistently hit free throws. And overall, I mean, it's a great sign for him because he didn't feel pressure. It seemed like he didn't feel any of the pressure from his teammates uh, struggling you know, shooting inconsistently. We shot 39% as a whole, but he shot 13 of 21, way over 50%. So, you know, it's it's honestly, it's, it's great to see. Yeah, I mean, this was really just a game where we played, I wouldn't say we played clean, you know, honest statement. We didn't play great. I mean, didn't get much from anyone besides really Sonogo, Hawkins, and Aline. And I'll put Jackson in there too. I mean, Caravan definitely... His worst game as a collegiate player, two of 10 from the field, one of seven from three. Definitely not what you want to see. But, you know, the best thing about this team is that 
you've got somebody that's going to pick you up, like Sonogo did. I mean, that 27 points, we don't win the game without Adama Sonogo, even though we won by 22. Without a dominant game from Adama Sonogo, we come nowhere close to winning that game, which would have put a lot of question marks after our name. If Can this team actually contend, or have they just played a bunch of nobody? So, you know, this was really just a game where you can test. Can one player win you a game? And the answer is yes. And that man is Adama Sonogo. Our defense as well also showed up. Uh, I didn't mention this, but uh, Butler managed to shoot 29% to our 39%, which uh, we seem to be pretty fortunate for. But speaks to the defense and just the overall effort from our guys. Uh, Tristan Newton uh, was second on the team in rebounds with eight. So uh, at least we know we're getting great effort from our players. Uh, I don't really know what happened with Butler. Yeah, and one thing I'm looking for is just consistency winning the rebound battle, consistency being the more physical team. Because there's going to be nights where, like we were talking about, we shot at 36%. But when there are those nights, if we have the other team shooting at 30%, we out-rebound them by 24. It just shows that we could win the game in some different ways. And being physical is uh, something that's staying consistent with us. And I think that's kind of the identity of this team, even though – they're a little more proficient offensively this year than they have in the last couple of years. Yeah, Butler, their backcourt, I think it's one of the most underrated backcourts in the conference. you got Eric Hunter, Simas Lukosius, Jaden Taylor, and even Chuck Harris. They went eight for 37 as a group. That's that's surprising to me. It just shows guys like Newton and Jackson on the perimeter just altering shots and forcing them to make bad decisions. It just shows we can score. We can score points. We know that, but Defense wins championships. That's a saying we all know. And we, we're a really good defensive team. And that kind of leads me to my next point, kind of. Tomorrow, the, or today, when you hear the episode, the AP polls coming out, there's a clear top two teams, UConn and Purdue. The debate is, will UConn jump the Boilermakers for that top spot? I mean, we've won all of our games by double digits. We're just – I think UConn needs to jump them. I'll just – short and sweet here what are your guys' thoughts yeah um, um sorry yeah you could go Matt I'll let you go first okay so I think that um a lot of the AP voters just won't take a team out of one unless they lose so I don't know that's how it seems like it works for me but I think we are the number one team and I also don't look too far into the AP poll uh just because um, it's about how you finish off the season and you get some teams' heads and stuff. So that's how I feel about that. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I um don't see them flipping us until they lose. Um, I think Purdue and us have very similar sort of buildups. I feel like a lot of Purdue's success is on the shoulders of Zach Eady. Um, it's very hard to guard guys like Zach Eady, he just who just towers over everybody and and as skilled as he is and we have a perfect uh player to come in and slow Zach Eady down. If we played Purdue today, do I think we'd win? Yes. Uh do I think we're going to jump them in the AP poll? Uh not quite yet. But uh I mean, you never know. So I guess you know, back to Sark's point about the AP poll filling up people's heads. I guarantee you, 
that Dan Hurley is telling his players not to look at the AP poll because that is something that will get them right off track. You know, if they see if they see that they're number one, they're going to be satisfied. And that's definitely not what they want to be because Hurley wants to have the best team in college basketball, which I think we have full potential to be. But if we're still at three or maybe even two, um, I feel like that's going to actually push the players to try harder and maybe even beat a team like Georgetown by 90 on Tuesday night, something like that. So, I mean, I don't think they'll put us above Purdue just because of how really dominant they've been, but we will, we will get there for sure. Yeah. A lot of people want their teams to be number one. I don't want my team to be number one because I want them to have some motivation. Even if we are the number one team in the country, I don't want that to be their ranking because then they might get complacent. Yeah, and this whole talk about when we lose or when Purdue loses kind of brings me to my next point I want to bring up here. When does UConn lose? Look at the schedule coming up the next five games or so. We got Georgetown, Villanova, Xavier. Then we got Providence and Creighton. Do we? I'm, I'm not sure when we lose. Maybe, maybe that Villanova game, they're always tough, but maybe Creighton. But, again, those are both home games, so I'm not really sure. When do you guys think we lose our first game, if we lose at all, honestly? Yeah, um, I think, you know, we'll probably end up dropping one in like a trap game sort of game, like maybe a Xavier or a Creighton or a Nova who you're coming off a long stretch, you're tired, you don't take it as seriously as you should, and then you end up dropping it. But that's just all part of a basketball season. If we drop one or two in the regular season, as long as we're peaking by March, we'll be fine. And, you know, I, it's just hard to see a team going undefeated in the Big East. Yeah, I was going to say, playing in the Big East, there are a million trap games on your schedule. Uh, everybody in the Big East is going to give you their best night, no matter what. Uh, some names I could bring up are, you know, Xavier, Creighton, but especially Providence. Um, we've had specific troubles with Providence in the past, but, you know, they have a bit of a weaker team this year. I don't really think it matters. Um, you got to treat them like, you know, they are the top 25 team that they were last year. Or else, you know, you can run in there and you can run yourself into some trouble. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's one team that's really coming for us, which is why I think our first loss is going to be Wednesday, January 11th at Marquette. Um, they've just shown me a lot this year, you know. If not that, maybe we'll lose New Year's Eve at Xavier. May, I don't know how many people are going to be at that game, but, you know, Marquette, for being good for the first time in quite a while, I feel like. They're going to have a lot of fans start to come out to their games. I mean, even Hinkle Fieldhouse there in Indianapolis was packed on Saturday night because everybody wants to see their team go out and try to beat the number one, two, or three team in the country. Now, obviously it didn't happen for Butler, but teams are really going to start to come out like for a team like Marquette to try to see them beat the Huskies. And I think that's that's when we lose our first game. Marquette, it's going to be a tough one for sure. Yeah, and UConn doesn't have the Marquette killer anymore, Tyler Pauly, who's a, a friend of the show, I'll add. So that's another thing about that. Yeah, Andrew, I'll have to agree with you there. If I was a betting man, I'd probably guess that game against Marquette would be our first loss, though we could easily lose any game besides Georgetown before that. Um, I say that now we're going to lose to Georgetown, but it's all good. Um, that leads me to my, my next point here, the next game against Georgetown. 
But first of all, it's a it's pretty much everyone's on winter break now, or at least close to it. So you have some time on your hands. Why not come out to Gamble Pavilion on Tuesday to support the Huskies? Let's see if I go to SeatGeek, the app here. Tickets are starting at $34 for the Georgetown-UConn game on Tuesday the 20th. If you use code HBTH at checkout on SeatGeek, that $34 ticket, it's $14, $20 off. That's a great deal. It's over It's over half off, and you get to watch hopefully a dominate, dominant performance from guys like Sonogo, Hawkins, Jackson. Maybe we'll even get some Andrew Hurley moments in there, Emmett Hendry, maybe future friend of the pod, Emmett Hendry. So... Yeah, if you use Geek code HBTH at checkout, you get $20 off your first purchase. And how about you make that first purchase the game for Georgetown? We need to fill it up. Uh, it's a great cause. And, yeah, use code HBTH at checkout. And you can meet me. I'll be there. So if you're a huge fan of the podcast, you know, come on out. <laughs> come on out. Come shake my hand. Yep, Matt Morbidelli meet and greet. That's a little more incentive for you to go. And then we'll have the Andrew and Matt Sarkis one at the Villanova game. You guys got to get out there. It's going to be crazy. Definitely. I mean, you see that $34 ticket, take off the 20 You, you take off maybe more. You should. You, they should pay you to go to the game at that point if you see, get a Matt Morbidelli meet and greet in there. And we'll move on now to the Georgetown game. We're each going to pick a player to watch for the game. And I'm going to go with Alex Caravan. He kind of had his first dud as a Husky, went two for 10 from the field. I think he's going to be guarded by a familiar face, likely a cook, a cook. And I think Caravan, obviously a cook's a great defender, but I think Caravan's going to be able to, I think he'll definitely improve on his five points and six rebounds he had against Butler. And I think it's a great game to do it against the lower level opponent. I think this is going to be a Jordan Hawkins game. You know, I think this is a night where he puts up 20, 25 with six or seven threes. Um, Georgetown's rotational defense hasn't been great this year. Um, obviously, you don't want to leave a guy like Hawkins open, but I feel like they're going to get too centered around trying to guard Sunogo, and they're going to completely forget a guy like Hawkins exists. So he's my guy to watch. He can easily put up seven, six, seven threes on Tuesday night. Yeah, my guy to watch is going to be um, Tristan Newton for two reasons. The first being um, it's been really fun when he's had his good game, so I want to see that again. And the second being is uh, um, Georgetown sneakily has one of the best guards in the Big East and Primo Spears, Connecticut legend. Uh, I'm not going to talk about his football career. And um, I just kind of want to see how Newton, our lead guard, stacks up against him. Uh, for my player to watch for, I'm going to go with Donovan Klingon. Uh, had a bit of a slower game uh, last time out, but I feel like uh, Georgetown does not have uh, the big man depth to handle Klingon. And I feel like for a game that we're going to have great control of, the majority of the time we're going to see a lot of Donovan Klingon. I can see a really big night for Donovan Klingon. Yeah, and also, I'll just bring up a player I'm going to watch on Georgetown. It's their big man, Kudus Wahab. If you guys don't know, last year he transferred out of Georgetown to Maryland. Now he's back in D.C. Two years ago, he had a couple of big games against us. In the game in D.C., he went for 18-10. and 10, And in the game in stores, which was a big UConn win, he went for 16-7. and 7. 
So obviously it's a little different. We have Sonogo and Klingon to throw at him, but he's had great success against us in the past. So I'm interested to see if he'll continue now. And if you guys don't have don't have anything else, I think that that'll just about do it here for episode ten. Uh, you can look for another episode, hopefully before Christmas. We'll recap the Georgetown game, maybe do something fun for Christmas. Who knows? But yeah, thanks for listening or watching if you're on YouTube and stay tuned. Thanks.